Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Actually, time for Conduits of Trouble, which means Zolgad and my good buddy from the Star Tribune, Chip Scoggins. What is up, Mr. Scoggins? It's Friday, man. That's always it's a good... Friday, and I'm going to the Wild game tonight. I'll see you there. Oh, you're going? All right. Oh, you're going against the Ducks? I mean, they just got done with the Golden Knights. That was great. The Ducks are awful. I know. I, just, so, I'm covering the Twins game Wednesday night, and it's just a typical, just boring, nothing happening, <laughs> dud of a game. And all I keep, and, all, and I'm looking at Twitter, you and Sarah and Russo and everybody, oh, my God, Kaprizov, the greatest thing ever, he's, and he scores again. And then across the street. And Anthony Edwards, he's got a career high 42. This is unbelievable. Him and John Moran are going back and forth. And I'm sitting here watching strikeout after strikeout. Oh. After, I'm sitting here thinking, I picked the wrong place. Not only did I pick the wrong one, there was two. I had got it wrong two times. So, yeah. Um, I'm excited to see them, man. They're, uh, I'm actually doing a wild call for Sunday. And, uh, Man, that would be a fun series, them in Vegas. If it oh god, out. yeah, it's not going to work out that way. First round, obviously, I don't think. But um, yep, that would be. I, I would take seven games with that. Absolutely. Well, you know what? I think that the hopefully their first round series against the Abs should be great fun too. Sure. Yeah. So, like, yeah, I am – this is a fun – Chip, I'm going to say it. This is a fun team. They've got a superstar. Like, this is what we wanted. Yeah. I so, think about this. Like, if they played Vegas, that'd be great. Played Colorado, that'd be fun. Yep. Played St. Louis, that'd be a fun series. Mm-hmm. I, mean, um, I think it, it just feels different um, when you have superstar players going into the playoffs. And, and, and goaltending. <laughs> you no, know? you're right. You're exactly right. Yes. When you have and, – and, you know, Chip, um, and we've seen this here, we've covered it, but you don't see it a ton. Everything changes when you have a superstar. And I'm not yeah. talking a star. I'm not talking a really good player. When you have an elite player, it changes everything about how you feel about the team, about watching them, about their chances of coming back. Like all of that, the pendulum swings with that player, and it always gives you an angle. And I love that. Yeah, it, it, because I, so I watched the highlights of, of that game when I got home after the Twins. And yeah, like, so the second one, just a, just a face off, right? Yep. And to turn that into a goal, like how many players can do that Not in the league? Are going to go get that puck the way he did, turn and fire, you know, just a laser in there. I mean, it was like 
that's he has that quality where he can make something of nothing, just a routine random face off. You know, it's uh he's amazing. He has just that um and I loved I love the the fact that he's wrestling with the guy on the ice and he's sticking up for himself. And yeah, I, I, I love that his teammates Felino and everybody came to his defense, but you're not going to uh, intimidate him. It's just not going to happen. I don't think. No, no, he, he is a man. Like he is not an, you know, a 18 year old kid. He is a 24 year old guy who has played professionally and the thing I love too, and this and this chip is, I, I think probably the most fun, and it's a short time span. But I think the most fun about covering a guy who you realize is a superstar, and I think it's very important to separate star because those guys mm-hmm. are great. But we're talking about superstar, okay? Yeah. I think the best thing about being a fan of said team that has the player when he's new or her new, and also covering that team is this. The discovery phase, right? I, I mean, it's like it's like a relationship, and the more that you see Caprice play, like he pleasantly surprises you or amazes yeah. you on a nightly basis. And the thing with Vegas that was so great was they literally went into that last game of their regular season series against the Wild. I think saying we're gonna we're gonna see what happens. Can we get in Caprice's head? You know, can we can we alter his game? Mm-hmm. And what you just said is absolutely true. He's like he not only didn't allow his game to be altered, he came back at them and then looked more engaged in the game himself if that's possible. I mean, yeah. so so my I guess my question is so far, what's not to like? Oh, that's the thing. I mean, how often does when you hear about this prospect and all these great things and you have this high hope how often does it ever exceed what you thought it would be i don't i mean everybody thought he'd be great i don't think people thought he'd be this this year do you i thought we thought he'd have an impact and he there'd be moments where he dazzled but i mean he's captivating and he just changes um everything about this organization he's a he's a he's an organizational change uh just transformational and here's the thing judd what do you think that contract's gonna look like i hope it i hope it's eight years that's my first hope that that he does not try and do a a shorter term deal um to explore the market because he certainly could do that but i mean that's a contract chip that you just pay oh uh, without doubt you know you just pay it yeah i mean there's you know you hate to say just sign over a blank check but it, it it's um Whatever you pay him, you know, the value he's going to bring to that organization when fans are allowed to go back there. Can you imagine, like, when that place is filled again, the percentage of jerseys that are going to be his in the stands? Oh, yeah. It'll be remarkable. You you think it'll be 40%? It might be. too high. Yeah, no, I think it might be. I think it it will be. Now, it, it might not be immediately, but. Chip, if he because yeah, there's not enough in, in stock. Or... Yeah, exactly. But yeah, yeah no, yeah. I think you're right. I mean, and and it's just, I think we talked about this, but Judd, man, look at the young talent in this market. Now, you know, it's, it's almost like a backhanded compliment because the teams are not winning, but 
man, when you look at him and Jefferson and, and Anthony Edwards and, you know, we'll see if, what Kirilov, I, I don't want to put him in that, but we could say boxing, but he's not young, but, right. um, but Kirilov, if he, you know, the little we got to see of him, um, you know, and, um, it's just, it's, it's, it's fun to see not only the talent, but the enthusiasm and the confidence and the exuberance that you see from all the young athletes um, in the market right now. Yeah, and they're likable, right? Yes. Like, they're a likable group. Like, Ant, I love Ant. I mean, those post-game mm-hmm. things, here's the thing, I and I don't know why, I, I can't explain it, but it's just crystal clear. Ant does things that if they were done in a different way would be annoying or like seen as pretentious or something, right? Mm-hmm. But the way he goes about his business and in and, and a weird sort of childish maturity, if that makes well, I sense. I exactly what you're saying. Yeah. Like I, there, there's I, some cockiness there, that, but it's, it's endearing cockiness. It, yeah. But like how, how do you do that? Because it's really impressive. Um, because I, I think he doesn't. Yeah, it, it's hard to describe because it's just his personality and just the exuberance and um, kind of um, not taking it too serious. Um, I, yeah, I, I just like the way he plays, you know, and it, especially because today's athlete is so much, you know, either cliched or, you know, you know protective of what they say because they're corporations and their brand and all that. And he just kind of lets it rip, you know? Yep. I mean, I loved it the other day when someone asked Edwards, you know, what's the difference between, you know, the, the way the, the team is playing in the fourth quarter now versus, you know, previous, he, he basically said, well, I'm in the game now. You know? I know. <laughs> sitting on the bench. But, <laughs> but why does that not come but... across as? No way. If, it, if someone else that might have come across it, you'd be like, God, what a jerk, you know? I mean, Okay, but with him, it's like you just kind of laughing, like, yeah, it makes sense. You know, you're you're not wrong. Um, so he can say things and get away with it. And I don't, I don't know. It's just his personality that's it's kind of fun. I think it's partially Chip because he's got that little wry smile. Oh yeah, like 100%. he'll say that. Yeah. And here, here's what he, here's where he walks a tightrope of geniusness. He'll say things and look up at the camera, the zoom. <laughs> And give you that little smile, yeah. and you can't tell if what he just said he's serious about or not. But yeah. but to go back to your term, it's completely endearing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and um, you know it's going to be fascinating to see three years from now where these guys are at talent wise and as they're more established. And I mean that's the thing. It's like you know, do they have another? Obviously, it's going to get better as you get more experience and everything. But the baseline ain't bad, you know, where they're starting from. No, so it's, it's going to be fascinating the uh, next couple of years just to see these, these, you know, this young talent really kind of even go to another level if they can. Chip, what's your best guess? How far do you think the Wild can go? Like when when well, you see this team, you know what? Because of the goaltending, I, you know, I, I think. Previously, like when Dubnik was here, or when they didn't have high-end scores, you know, it was just kind of they had to muck it up and hopefully get some crash the crash the net and get rebounds and have puck go off your butt. You know, it's like, well, you can't win that way consistently. I mean, that's not, I don't know, that's a, a championship formula. Yeah. Um, so you felt like, okay, this is a one and done team. You know, I, 
could they lose their first round? Yeah. Could they win a first round? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've seen them play with these these guys, and I think they have three things that that give you confidence. You you have a uh, you have trust in the goaltending now. You have a superstar, and really when Fiala's going, he can score too. But you have guys that can just go score, like like we to them, the Blackhawk team. That was the difference. They had guys that would just go score. Oh, they had stars, um, yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah, and superstars. and mm-hmm. I feel like they have a good vet of guys who have won at a high level before in the room to kind of um, you know bring that leadership to it. Um, and so I, there are factors there where you're thinking, you know, you don't, you don't. It doesn't feel hopeless like it did before. Like, okay, this is just it's going to be great to get in, and they're going to be done after one. No, you can see them winning a, a series, you know, or going. I don't think they're going to win at all, but um, I'm not going to be surprised if they, you know, won a series or two either. Yeah, and Kaprizov changes it so much because now it doesn't feel like a prayer. Correct. Like it, it used to, it used to feel like they had some talent, but they they would fall down by two goals, and you were like, okay, who's going to score? And they would try, but it was maddening. Uh, I'm I'm not saying that it's a good idea in the playoffs to fall behind. Mm-hmm. But when they do now, and it's Kaprizov who basically at times, I, I I love this sport because we hear so much. It's always we, right? Like we yeah, and yeah. and Dino has tries to turn it back to the grand, you know, the team, right? Mm-hmm. I just want someone to get up to a Zoom mic and say, "All right, you know what? I'm going to cut open a vein here. Ninety seven, <laughs> and then us. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's just him. Because I mean, that's the truth. He changes everything about how I feel about this team and their chances." Because of the fact that he can he can certainly be neutralized in some ways, but he's going to work his ass off to figure mm-hmm. out how, how to get back in the game. And this team has never had. I mean, you know, get, Gabby was a nice player, and we've discussed this before. But this yeah. team has never had this. No, like, and I was sitting there thinking of it, uh, a few minutes ago, and I was going to bring up like we we covered Gabbert during that the O three run, and he was a star. I would say that. Yep. He wasn't at this level. Um, he couldn't do the things that that uh, Kaprizov can do. Now, Gabby did, you know, his breakaway speed and just flying up the wing there. That was pretty special to watch too when he when he turned on the Jets. But um, but you just feel like uh, Kaprizov just has some magic in you know some of the things he can do with um, you know. Like the other, like the first goal the other night, just batting that out of the, you know the air. That goal was incredible. Uh, that goal was so hard to score. Oh, just, what a yeah, goal! And I, I saw you know it got posted on Twitter, and that's a Twins game. I'm like, the Twins need that guy. <laughs> yes. Um. But yeah, so you feel like he can kind of, like I said earlier, just make something of nothing, mm-hmm. or make plays that very, very few guys can, and so you feel like you always got a shot with him. Uh, and then if Fiala, you know, if he if he can get rolling and um, the defensive core is tight, and I just you know, it, it you said it right before it felt hopeless, like they you know, it just it you didn't feel like they had much of a chance uh, in the playoffs, and and I you know, I'm, obviously there's tough teams in there, but it doesn't feel like they're going to be overwhelmed by you know the matchup. Speaking of hopeless. <laughs> That's a good segue, huh? You did a great job, threw out a great word, and I might as well pounce right now. The team that you covered on Wednesday night, um, yeah. 
I think they're just not good. Like I we we've been trying, and I I did this too. So I'm one. I predicted ninety six wins. Okay, mm-hmm. two two. Just to be totally transparent, you know, as recently as Monday or Tuesday, I was talking about well the bullpen if they can just go get an arm, blah blah blah. Yeah, yeah. Chip, I was sitting in the press box watching the game on Thursday, and it hit me like a lightning bolt. And well, it should have. They're just not good. Like it's it's if they only fit, if Rocco just does this, if they only score more runs, if they if they only could get some luck, if the extra innings format only was changed, you know, at some point in time, the answer is you're just not that good. Yeah, and that's the thing is like when a team gets off to the bad start, what is the 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 thing you always hear? Well, it's early. Well, eventually it stops being early, and you're just a, this is who you are, right? I mean. They have they've dug such a hole now. I mean, just the catch up that they have to do. I don't know that they have it in them. I don't the personnel, the bullpen. I, I don't know that they have them in it. Uh, this in them, the, the hitting. You know, my God, what has happened to Max Kepler? Jorge Polanco. Jorge Polanco. You know, Sano is is what he is. He's a mess. Yeah, I mean, um, and so, and. It ain't like the, this has been the toughest part of the schedule either that they've gone through. You know, that's mm-hmm. that's probably the – if I'm them, that's the concerning part to me is like, yeah, you've had some weird things happen and you feel like you've had some tough luck and all that nonsense. But it's not like you're playing the greatest teams yet. And so um, I – they're just flawed, man. They're, they're just very, very flawed in a lot of ways. And so – well, they play better than they are. I think they probably will, but, I mean, are they going to play good enough to where they can overcome this deficit they created? I don't know. I mean, it just doesn't look promising right now at all. No, and they just, I mean, there's so, to, to your word, there's so many flaws and there's so many problems. Hey, one thing that's frust- frustrated me about the storyline about the Twins, and this also, in a very different way, goes to the Wild, is this. Um. Okay, I get that Baldelli is the face of what's gone wrong, right? Pitching mm-hmm. changes aren't working. He takes guys out uh, prematurely, at least we think so. Um, I get that he's had a bad year in-game. Uh, but when it comes to the Twins, I think that to, you know, basically take a sign that says fire Rocco, which at this point in time is not going to take place, of course, no. um, or to blame him entirely is missing the grander point of the fact that he was hired to work in lockstep with Derek and Thad. Yeah. And they are, they're very much at fault here, too. Like, this was their grand bullpen redo, which has gone awfully. And and in the case of the Wild, Dean has done a great job. Credit to him. He's done fantastic. But if you don't think that Bill Guerin, the GM, is playing a huge role there, you ain't paying attention. Um, I think we get far too hung up in crediting or getting mad at one person. The yeah. entire Twins meltdown has to be looked at on a much grander scale than just Rocco Baldelli. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, fans, media, we all do it. The easy target, right? You just go for the easy target and it's the coach, typically, because um, they're the face you see the most. Um, and they're the ones you feel like controls the strings. But you know darn well that this this fascination with taking pitchers out after five and a third innings every single day comes from the, the organizational philosophy of limiting wear and tear on the arms, right? Yep. Well, 
it was the front office that remade that bullpen <laughs> and brought in a bunch of guys that either were needed to bounce back from bad years or needed to prove that they could take another step in their development. Al, you know, Alcala, Stashak, I mean, those two in particular had to show that they could take on, you know, a more prominent role or bring in free agents. And you had so many of those question marks. Well, if you're going to redo your bullpen and have a bunch of question marks, which when are they all going to work out in the way that you think they are? It doesn't happen that way. You don't, you know, things are never going to be as perfect as you draw them up. So they, they combined a bullpen that was, you know, a lot of questions with the organizational philosophy of, Hey, after 75 pitches, we're bringing them out no matter what. And so just every night, you know, you're asking a bullpen to pitch four innings. Yep. It, it just, it, the, the marriage of those two things don't make sense. And so is that it's not all Rocco's fault. That's Derek Falvey and Dad Levine too. I mean, this is the whole plan that they put in place. And so, yeah, but it's just easier to dump on the, the, the manager because that's who we see, but it, no, it's, it's a hundred percent. You know, it's never, particularly in today's age uh, of sports, so much of it, is filtering down from the top and I don't want to say you just have robots in the coaching because that's not fair to the coaches here because they're you know they're the ones doing it day to day but there's obviously an organizational um, philosophy and emphasis on everything they do true and the pitching thing just I'm amazed that they have not told Rocco if Pineda is pitching well and the pitch count is acceptable he can throw a six he can throw a seven like that that's the one thing is like your bullpen, you Falvey redid the bullpen. It's a complete mess. Colome is unpitchable. Um and and instead of empowering Rocco to say, let's get to the back end first, okay? Like like let's like if if Barrios, uh Pineda or Maeda are pitching well. Let's let them go. I'm not saying nine and I'm not saying 120 pitches, but let's let them get to 103 pitches. Yeah. Um, Kyle Gibson the other night. Yeah, exactly. And, and But they're still enforcing the same rules despite the fact that it's gone completely off the tracks. And they're smart people. Like, I, I, I want to ask them, what are you thinking? Like, why, why would you stick to the same principles? Because you are very close now to just being done. Well, that's if you're not thing. done like, already, I mean, I'm sure they have all the analytics and data that, but is 15 more pitches for a veteran like Michael Pineda really going to well be a huge deterrent? I, I just don't understand that. Like, and, then, yep, you, then you're not using guys who shouldn't be probably in there. If you if you get them through the seventh, all right, have Duffy pitch the eighth and Rogers pitch the ninth instead of having to use four guys that inevitably one of those guys is not going to have a good day that day. Exactly. And if, if my spreadsheet tells me that Pineda, um, technically, if he faces the next guy or the next three guys, might struggle, and th- therefore it's a good idea to get him out, my next spreadsheet ha- has to say, your bullpen stinks, so it's better to take your chances with the starter. Mm-hmm. Like, you got to weigh your options here. It, it's um, It's a very bizarre dance that I thought I understood until now. And it's almost like now they're just defaulting to what they think should work. And it's like, yeah, but this is life. Sometimes things don't work. And you get, and if you flat out said, you know what, we don't care. Like philosophically, we just don't care. We think we're yeah. done. I guess I'd say, okay, that doesn't seem like a great idea to me, but you can do that. But I think they do care. I think they're just going by what they think. Yeah. Um, 
And and the more that I look up the stats at times, like there is a counter argument to be made to what they're doing. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, it, it almost feels like, and I don't want to say they've taken completely out of the equation, but by a large degree, they've taken the the gut feeling and the intuition and just the in-game trust of a manager versus – all right, lefty on lefty, here's the split. Let's do this. It's like the other night with that Waddell. It's like that had no chance of succeeding. Well, like, no. that's not exa- tell me that was – and you can tell me all you want about lefty on lefty and what his splits were and all that. But I'm telling you, night after that guy got rocked, I'm not throwing him back out there. I mean, the guy's a minor league pitcher, you know? Yes. And, and you tell me he was your best option? It, it makes no sense to me. Well, and Chip, to your point there, it, it becomes even more powerful because – Waddell got rocked the night before, and they brought him in because Lowe, the, the first guy he was going to face, uh, created a lefty on lefty situation. The next guy was a guy who the night before had homered off him, and then get this, and this is where their spreadsheets don't don't make sense now, or they're not tracking now. Joey Gallo, who hit third, who but by the way, because of the rule, Waddell had to face three guys. Joey Gallo, he, who hit third, has reverse splits. So he hits lefties better, far yeah. better. So you basically you basically brought in a guy to get the one, the first guy, and in the old days could have gone out and got him out, which would have been fine. But you were forced to face three guys, two of whom were almost certain to have success. So mm-hmm. that that's what I'm saying is, like if they pulled the old, well, we're really smart. We know what we're doing. You would look at that and be like, actually, you don't. That yeah. that's it, where it's bizarre. And it's just like if you sat down in a bar, and had a beer with him. Take it, it's like, all right, who do you trust more, Waddell or a guy who throws at ninety nine miles an hour in right. that situation? It's like, I mean, it just absolutely. I mean, I don't care if he's if he's facing all left handed hitters. I mean, I just trust the guy who has better stuff, you know, and over a guy who got hit hard the night before. Um, so, I, yeah, it's – it's. I mean, I, I'm, I know analytics are great, and I know you have to rely on some, but it just feels like they're so dependent on it that it, they're doing things that just on the gut surface or just the human just watching. It's like, this doesn't make sense. I mean, I know the numbers are telling you one thing, but have a little flexibility in games. Like, and I go back to it, and it still drives me crazy this day is – taking Burrios out yep. of that playoff game. It's just like, wh- what on earth? I mean, I know that your organizational philosophy and maybe the analytics are telling you something, but why and why would you ever take him out of that game at that point? You I, know? And I, don't know. I, I thought I thought that would be a learning, a teaching moment or a learning lesson for them and say, you know what, maybe we need to rethink this. But it hasn't at all. No, no. And that was, that was to me, the beginning of this. Now, in, in retrospect, if you go back to those games, Mm-hmm. Um, instead of like doubling down and, or in, instead of saying, you know what, I mean, we should be doing things. We, we have to look at our process, which is what they should have said, which is what I thought that they would say. You're right. They basically said, bleep it. This is what we do. And the, I'm beginning to think this too. Were there signs that we didn't acknowledge, especially like me, that we should have seen at least a fragment of this coming because i mean they're going off the cliff here this is not like uh well they're struggling now and i think it's going to be fine were there things that we saw in the uh pandemic short in 2020 that should have at least led us down the path to consider this because i did not 
nothing nothing that jumps out like the Brios thing. Um, you know, I mean, I think, we, you know, all of baseball has kind of been shifting towards it. Well, you don't want to bat him the third time or, you know, you don't want the pitcher facing you know, third time through or whatever. I mean, that's kind of been trending that way anyways. Um, but nothing, I mean, you know, the Brios thing was the one that just – I mean, we saw it happening and happening during, you know, the regular season. You're like, okay, it's the regular season. I get it. Save the arms, you know, live for, you know, we know Rocco likes to take the long view in a long season and it's going to, you know, he'll sit a guy who's hot because that's the plan, right? Rest and recovery. And as annoying as it is at the time, you know, during the season, you can kind of be like, all right, you know, there's 160 games or when pandemic less, but Oh, and you get in the playoffs, Judd. It's like everything should go out the window at that point, man. You're just trying to survive and give yourself the best chance. And they still did it, you know, and that's where you're like, wait a second here. What what are they doing? I know. Vikings draft. Quarterback. Your yeah. your thoughts. Kellen Mon, third round pick. Um I'm glad they I liked it, you know. It, it uh to me, I've always said, you know, just take a flyer on a quarterback, you know, late in the round and you never know. But realistically, that guy just winds up being a practice squad guy who does scout team, you know. They're, that quarterback's never really going to help you. Um, <clears throat> Mondi's, you know, I've, I've watched him some. He always seems sort of stiff a little bit, you know. I think that's kind of the knock on him almost. I don't know if robotic's the right word, but um, good arm. Obviously, he has a great arm. and um, So we'll see if they can – if they can, you know, develop him into the next guy, you know, if he's going to be their quarterback of the future. But um, I give him credit for thinking that way. You know, we talked about before the draft, what would happen if one of those quarterbacks slid to him. And, um, you know, I, I credit Chicago for being aggressive and going up and getting fields. That was bold. Yes, it was. And, and uh, I thought, you know, Pace had a – it's interesting <clears> – <throat> It's great for Chicago what they did, but doesn't that all – I mean, now you are married to Pace and Nagy for at least, what, three years? Yep. If you're – Yeah, that's interesting. You're right. Because you're not, you're not going to fire a GM and a coach a year, even two years after taking a – you know, making that bold a move, I don't think. Do you? So – That's a good point, yeah. Pace and Nagy probably look like they have a new lease on life now because they're kind of married to this quarterback and this – bold thing they did so but yeah i mean getting monday it'll be interesting to see kind of how they how they mold him and and obviously you know there's no real threat to to cousins this year but um does this mean they're turning the page next year yeah well i think it means i think it means there's a, a pretty good chance that 2022 opening day mon starts if he makes the if he makes the, the uh, development here's what i here's what i like about this as well um, that they didn't do with Ponder that they're going to do here because this is not a first round pick, but but it's a you know a competent QB who should play right. Um, there's not the first round pressure. There's not the oh my gosh he's going to have to start very soon. There's going to basically be unless Kirk gets hurt. There's going to be I think internally at least because fans will always grow impatient if Kirk struggles. There's going to be the advantage of you have time to develop Mond, 
to work with Mond, to see what he does well, to see what he doesn't do, do well. And with Potter, it always felt like a sure-as-hell race that he was going to play fairly quickly. And McNabb was yeah. terrible and got, uh, got I think, taken out in, what, week five or six in Chicago. So I really like the fact that they give themselves the ability to develop this kid but then you're right. It's not Nate Stanley where it's going to be best case a practice squad player. Yeah, and it's 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 like you know third round is not a flyer, but when you're a first round quarterback, man, the expectations of you being you know the franchise guy for ten years are, are there. And I don't care where they take you in the first round. You just have that past your name, first round quarterback. There's the assumption that you need to be a you know the guy right away. Well, third round it's like. They're counting on him, and I think, you know, obviously the uh, internal hope is that he becomes their franchise guy, but um, you're right, there is less pressure right away. Now, pressure will get cranked up once he becomes a starter, but um, but at least right now, everybody sort of knows, has an understanding of what the deal is, right? This is, yes. this is a redshirt year. This is your redshirt year, you know? Work on things in practice and scout team, and, and unless, you know, unless Cousins gets hurt, then things change but you know if 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 the plan goes according to how they want it this is your redshirt year and just kind of get used to being a quarterback in the nfl and then maybe step in and be the start next year so i think it's the ideal situation for him um for him mm-hmm. i mean obviously if you're if you're wanting a franchise quarterback obviously first round and being one of those first few guys taken you feel like the odds are better but um but there's no, there's no, nothing that says this guy that Mon can't turn out to be that guy for him, you know, just because he wasn't one of the first five guys taken in the top ten, you know. Hey, how, how curious are you to see how Kirk processes this? Well, I think he, I think he, it would be a totally different thing, totally different if they would have moved up and taken Justin Fields, or you know, I mean that then you're like. Then I think he'd be like, "Uh oh, <laughs> you know, this is." Then it would be a threat to his job. Now I think he knows that. Okay, he's the starter, and this guy's coming in. The he, I have to think, Cousins knows he's going to be replaced at some point. I mean, that contract is coming to a head, right? I mean, mm-hmm. they're not going to pay him th- what he's owed, um, you know, on the back end of this. So he, if he, he's a smart guy. He knows what's going on, you know. So. I think he'll handle it the right way, don't you? I, I don't think he'll, you know, tune his guy out or not help him or anything like that. I, I think I would be stunned if he doesn't if he doesn't handle this in the you know professional way and understand kind of what the the deal is. I think publicly he'll be fine. I think privately, Kirk being Kirk will probably not be pleased. But Kirk also is, you know, we're, we're almost certain that the Vikings at some point in February or March went to Kirk and said, let's restructure your contract again. And Kirk said, no, I'm all good because I'm going to make mm-hmm. a ton. Um, I guess what I find from a playing standpoint to be intriguing is not that Mond is supposed to or will play in 2021. What I find to be interesting about this entire thing is this is the first time since Kirk got here that there is an expiration date of some sort on his back. So I yeah. guess I guess that's what intrigues me. Because I think it's very clear that if Mond develops like the Vikings want, there's a very good chance that the that the Vikings turn around in March and try and trade Kirk, and, and then he goes to a team and restructures again because that cap hit is so huge. So it does yeah. it does set up some potentially interesting on field dynamics um, <clears throat> as far as Kirk now for the first time in his career here 
having pressure behind him from somebody who's not like a Sean Mannion. Yeah, and so when he signed that first deal, I mean, three years, just because of how short it is, you had to feel like, okay, if he does anything, you know, it's not a total disaster, he's getting a second contract here, right? Well, with the way things have gone, I mean, maybe he thought he was getting a third contract, but with with performance and salary and salary cap constraints, I mean, he has to be realistic about probably not getting a third one here, I would, you know, unless he's going to take a massive restructuring pay cut. I mean, it's just, you know. I don't so, see it, do you? N- I don't. No. no, not after you, not now, certainly. Even if they hadn't, dra- even if they didn't draft, you know, Mon in third round, I think if you look at it, you'd probably say no. They're going to let this one play out and then, and then move on and start over just for age, contract, performance, everything. Um, and now now you know it's they're going to turn the page here. Um because they're not gonna, they're not gonna draft him on unless he's just they come to the conclusion he he's not the guy. But you're not gonna draft him and then give Cousins another contract. I wouldn't think. I mean, that would no, that would be that would be dumb. I so, don't see that either. Um, so yeah, so there is an expiration date coming, and he has to know it. And but here's the thing, maybe that's a motivating factor for him for Cousins to say, you know what, I'm auditioning for some other teams here. I need to have a good year because yeah. I know I'm not gonna play here, but. I need to show a lot of other teams I can still play at a high level, and I want a big contract. So they, they could have that motivation too. How much more confident do you feel about the Vikings' offensive line as we talk now compared to before the draft? A lot. A lot more confident. Um, I think both those uh, both those linemen will start. Now, I, I could see them shifting um, Cleveland to, to left guard now. Right, so you don't have two rookies side by side, and then have the Ohio State kid who I mean, get him in the third round was great. Um, yes, uh, start your right guard, and you know, I feel like you have your you have your left tackle of the future, big physical guy. It's you know, I'm surprised that they ran the risk of. Uh, Trading down, you know, because I did, at that point it's just like when they were on the clock, it's like take Darisaw, run to it, you know, yes. or the guard or the Vera Tucker. Um, so I don't know if getting lucky is the right word, but you know they were fortunate he was still there. But um, but I, you know, so you get your left tackle and and uh, the Wyatt Davis from Ohio State. I think you know plug him in at right guard, and you're young, you know, he's young, but I feel like it's bigger which sounds like them is what what he wanted and just more talented the so bigger... I, I i feel like it's and here's the thing jen we can no longer say that rick spielman does not spend yes uh high draft picks on the offense line that okay that that's narrative gone. is over now did they pick the right guys that's that's to be determined but they yep. they have invested heavily on the offensive line now so i love the fact that they're going bigger again yes. i love that fact because you can't like the where I will side with the Kirk defenders is that I never got how you signed Kirk to this huge contract and then said, but we're going to have a zone blocking scheme and it's going to be really good at run blocking or pretty good at run blocking, but it can't pass protect. I mean, yeah. just get some beef up there and pass protect. And so I guess I guess here's what confuses me. Why would Zim, who seems to me to, to be a guy that would really appreciate line play on both sides, 
Mm-hmm. Why would he ever sort of lose control or agree to, you know what, we, we need athletic guys that can really run on, on our O-line. I mean, that, that, jo- that job is to, number one, in 2021, that job is to pass protect. Yeah, but, but it, I think it goes back to, Judd, I mean, if they came to him and said, man, we're going to have this unbelievable running scheme, zone blocking with our athletic guys, and Dalvin's gonna, it's going to fit Dalvin perfect where he can just – you know, kind of read the read the blocks and then make that put his foot in the ground and make that cut and then he's off and you can see Zim's eyes lighten up about that that running game because that's what he wants to be. He I wants guess. the power running game and that's going to work. So I could see where he would fall in love with that. But then he watches the pass blocks and and the interior just crumble uh, where the guards and center just keep getting basically bull rushed and, and run over. And he realized, okay, that that play is not going to work. <laughs> we need to get tougher and bigger up front. And so. Um, you know, credit to him to switching back and realizing that one scheme is just not going to work, or that one plan that you had to get smaller athletic guys to get up and, you know, cut block down and run downfield and make blocks. Um, you need to protect your quarterback, who you've invested heavily in. And so um, I feel like they accomplished what they wanted to do, right? I feel like they're, yes, they got some tough guys. I mean, these, these linemen look pretty tough and big and physical. So um, I, I do feel. I feel like they made, you know, now we have to see it, right? You got to see it on field, but on paper, it looks like they got significantly better. So, Chipper, my idea is that internally for the Vikings, their 2021 slogan on T-shirts should be very simple. No more excuses. Because mm-hmm. I think I think that applies to both Kirk and that applies to the entire team. Mm-hmm. Um, in a salary cap league where you are not going to get Pro Bowl players at every position, I I think the Vikings with a essentially largely remade defense and an offense that has some additions has a good quarterback and certainly has some great skill position talent. Mm-hmm. I think the excuses for everybody from Spielman and Zimmer to Cousins to everybody are now gone. That there's no reason why this team can't get in the playoffs and be successful. Not not surprise you, but. You have removed all of the, but Kirk didn't have a left guard, which was true. But the defense yeah. couldn't stop the run, which was true. All of that is gone now. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah, 100%. Because what did we hear last year? Well, there's no Hunter. There's no, you know, Pierce opted out. Barr is gone. Energy got hurt later. You know, we were too young in the secondary. The, the offensive lines, you know, they don't have good players there. The left guard's bad. Well, every one of those things has been corrected. Right. Yes. Every 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 single one of those. I mean, your offensive line. You're going to have probably two new starters, high draft picks. Your your the young guys who were young last year got a lot of experience and they're coming back. So, absolutely right. There are no excuses. Um, there's no coordinator change. Right. I mean, you're right. Your second year of a coordinator, so it's not like it's a new system or you know unfamiliarity with play calls. Well, it's Clint, um, but I mean, well, it's, 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 now, it's the same it's, exact thing. It's the same. Yeah. Yeah. His dad. Yeah, <laughs> you know? nothing's going to change. Yeah, um, and so there's none of these, um, and you know some of those things are valid. I mean, there's a fine line between excuse and reason, right? Yep. I mean, some things are just a reason why versus an excuse. I mean, you could take away Daniel Hunter and Michael Pierce. Is that an excuse or a reason why the defense line didn't play? Better? I would say a reason. You know, and so. Um, so no, I mean all those things are are done and fixed, and so 
and it better be. I think I think Zimmer and Spillman realized that too. That you know they had to fix the areas that needed addressed, and this should be. I mean, at a minimum, it has to be a playoff team. I think to, minimum. To minimum. I think yes. Agree completely. Thank you, sir. We'll talk to you next uh, week. All right, brother. All right, Chip. Tonight. See, See you later. Bye bye. Chip Scoggins, Conduits of Trouble. Wherever you find your podcasts.